Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. Good morning. Oh, geez, that's a really good response. People are awake today. That's really good. That was a good time of worship, actually. Really, really enjoyed that. Why am I here? Now, according to Sally, because I'm being paid, but um, the question I want to look at today is, why am I here on earth? What is my purpose in life? Well, life is not just my time here on earth to begin with. Um, life is actually, has, there's more to it. Jesus died for my sin so that I could spend eternity with him. So life really is about preparing for eternity. And over the last four weeks, we've been doing this old series called The Purpose Driven Life. How many people have been enjoying that? It's a book I read in the very early 2000s, and it was life-changing for me. And I had heard so many people in this church had gone, I don't even know what that book is, or I've heard of it, but I've never read it. And so we felt this was just a series we wanted to, to look at here. And so over the last few weeks, I've been looking at this idea that we're preparing for eternity and what are the things that God wants us doing on earth. And there are five things that God wants us to be doing. And four of these we're going to be doing forever and ever. And we've already looked at three of them. We've looked at worshipping God. We've looked at loving our church family. Um, and the third one we've looked at was becoming more like Jesus. And if you haven't seen those first three, can I encourage you, go away, have a really good look at them. The guys that did those messages did a really good job. And I think it's very thought-provoking and, and really challenging. And I really encourage you to do that. And there's a fourth one that you're going to see next week that we're going to be doing forever and ever. But what I want to look at today is a little bit different. Um, this is the only purpose that you and I have that we can't do in heaven. We can only do this one on earth. It says in John 17, 18, Jesus said, As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. So purpose number four pretty much is you were made for a mission. Not a missionary, you were made for a mission. You know, the one thing I dreaded as a young Christian, as a kid, was God calling me to be an overseas missionary. Um, it didn't help that every year someone in our church would sing this song called Please Don't Send Me to Africa. Has anyone ever heard this song before? I'm a kid. Let me just let me show you some of the lyrics from this. You can see it on the screen there. I'll see that the money is gathered. I'll see that the money is sent. I'll wash and stack the communion cups. I'll tithe 11%. I'll volunteer for the nursery. They're singing this though. I'll go on the youth group retreat. I'll usher old deacon. I'll go door to door. Just let me keep warming this seat. And then it goes into the chorus, please don't send me to Africa. <laughs> now, me, I'm thinking, they think it's all funny, but I'm thinking God's actually going to do this to me. He's actually going to say, Josh... So there was no, I was not finding this funny at all. I was quite nervous that I could end up with God saying, Josh, you need to go to Africa. And I didn't want to say no. Funny thing is, in the end, um, you know, I can't stand Port Power. And where did God send me? Africa would have been a lot better place, I think. Now, but today, look, we're not looking at 
overseas missionaries. That's not the purpose when we talk about we are looking for mission today. We're looking at the way in which every Christian, all of us are called to be missional. Jesus said in John 20, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. What is God sending us for? You know, what is this mission? And I think the Apostle Paul spells it out best. He says in Acts 20, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So purpose number four, really, this purpose is really just to share the good news. You can't do this in heaven. You'd be preaching to the choir. You can't do it. If I know deep in my heart that there is a God and I believe that God is in control, my life is not an accident, I was made by God because God wanted to love me and despite my failures, God made a way so that you and I could have this personal relationship with him now and when I die, I'll spend eternity with him in heaven. And so God is using my time on earth to, I guess, prepare me for eternity. And so basically my life, therefore, has a purpose. And when I know this is true, once I actually get this, this idea that that God did all this for me and I have this personal relationship with him and he absolutely changes my life, when I get this, God expects me to share that with other people to tell others this good news. And we have, a, we have a word for this. We call it evangelism. Now, both Christians and non-Christians alike often despise this word. It's not a great word, especially when you put the word telly in front of it. You've heard of a tele-evangelist. They're generally American, um, middle-aged male, big buffy hair. They shout a lot. Catchphrase is basically, in the name of Jesus, send me your money. Um, Hollywood knows what this means. Can I just show you? This is a movie that came out a number of years ago called Leap of Faith. Real miracles, sensibly priced. They're having a bit of fun with that. But that is what the world have this idea of when they start hearing about and thinking about evangelists. Not only is that cringy, that is not evangelism. Do you know what? Evangelism actually is, it's just the Greek word for good news. That's all it is. We've we've turned it into something else. And so the Bible's really saying, once you know what the good news is, that God created me, that God loves me, that he sent Jesus to save me, that he forgave me for my sin, that he's completely changed my life. Once we get that, God wants me to share that, that news, that good news with other people. So an evangelist is really a bringer of good news. It is not a person on TV asking you to send money because that is not good news. We are called to evangelise. In Acts 1.8 it says, And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He doesn't say, And you will be my lawyer. Jesus doesn't need defending. Sometimes we think it's our job to defend him. He doesn't say, and you'll be my marketing manager. He doesn't want you to just try to do some sort of gimmicky advertisement for him. He says, be my witness. 
What's a witness? A witness is basically just someone that, that explains and tells what they've seen or experienced. You know, I saw this and then this happened. And I've got an example for you on TV. I want you to have a look at this classic, well-known um, little video of a Aussie witness. Can we just show that, please, guys? Happened. Oh, well, it's really quite funny. I was, I was in bed sleeping at uh, 2 o'clock this morning. My wife comes in and says, oh, the shop's been, uh, someone ran into the shop. And I said, oh, what? So I jumped out of bed and all I had was my undies on and I've walked out the front and I've seen uh, the car smashed and I've seen the bloke walking back to the car and so I've walked outside and I said oh what are you doing mate like you can't be leaving the scene and he goes don't be a hero mate and I said I'm not trying to be a hero but the police are coming and he just decided he'd scoot up the road and I just said nah it's not going on like that mate so I jumped in my car and I started chasing him up the road and then he went down a side street and then the police were coming and I flashed him and sent them off in the direction of him but mate all I had was me jocks on I was chasing him up the street and I'm just like mate like because you, you told me that this is your mate's shop yeah. and you didn't want him to get away. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, it, well, me mate's mum's had this shop for like 40-odd years and uh, look at it. Look at it. it well, it's a mess, isn't yeah, it? Beyond a mess. Oh, like, words, words can't explain how it is, mate. Like, now, Daniel, you managed to put some pants on in the meantime. Yeah, mate. It's like... good to hear. <laughs> Do you feel like a hero? Oh... Uh, not really. It's, it's just something you've got to do for the community, mate. It's like you look after your mates and your mates will always look after you. There you go. Good attitude. There you go, guys. Daniel, quite the Australian hero here this morning. As for the owners of the fish and chip shop, well, they are insured, but there is a big mess to clean up this morning. All right. Now, do you reckon that actually happened or do you reckon he's making that up? Do you reckon he did run down the street in his jocks? Why do you think that? You can tell, can't you? There's something about a witness that you go, I actually, as crazy as it is, I can actually believe that that guy's gone and done what he said he did. It's the power of a witness. It's because of the mullet. <laughs> he looks like a Queenslander to me. Now, <laughs> you know, the best witness is the one who actually is there and experiences something, isn't it? What a, that is such a good witness in that situation. And no one can be a better witness of what God has done in your life than you. God says, be my witness. Tell people what has happened to you. Tell people what I've done for you. Why does God want us to do this? Well, God is in the process of building a family. Um, that's already been spoken about a couple of weeks ago. But this is the family that's going to spend eternity together in heaven. And that's the whole point of evangelism. God says, I want to keep building my family and I want people from every nation and I want them, I want them from everywhere. And one day, all of the people of all the different nations are going to be gathered together in heaven. It's not mission impossible. Um, it is basically mission inevitable. It's going to happen. God has said this is going to happen. It's always been God's plan. It says in Ephesians 3, and this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Verse 11, this was his eternal plan. This is the plan. This is what is going to happen. Whether you are part of it or not, it's going to happen. God sent Jesus Christ as a sacrifice of our sins. 
he knew that Jesus would change people's lives. He knew they were, he would dramatically change them. And so his plan was really, I'm going to give them Jesus. Jesus is going to do everything for them. And when Jesus transforms their lives, all I'm going to ask them to do is to share their experience. That's it. So you and I were made for a mission. And our mission is to share what God has done for us. There is no plan B. This is God's plan, that you and I would share with other people what God has done for us. Share with others the good news. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure if I can do this. I actually think you can. Now, I want to show you this next little video. This is a very short one. I just want you to have a look at this. All right, so here we are in front of the uh, elephants. Um, cool thing about these guys is that, is that they have really, really, really long um, trunks, and that's, that's cool. And that's pretty much all there is to say. You're probably thinking, has Josh lost the plot at this moment? That's called Me at the Zoo. Some of the younger ones might be aware of what this is. This is called Me at the Zoo. This is the first YouTube video ever that was ever put up on YouTube. That was it. So it's called Me at the Zoo. That started something pretty significant around the world. It started people sharing things. Nearly the whole world, billions upon billions, even in the poorest countries can now get online and they share stuff. You can find videos from everywhere. Everybody is evangelizing something. I want you to see the one. I've got a few to show you. First of all, you'll see on places like Facebook and that, you always get the inspiring quotes. You hear a quote, you really like it. Um, so you want others to read it. So what do you do? You share it. What about the great restaurants that you've been to? You want others to know that you're eating quite nice food, so you take a photo of it and you share it. Experiences, like maybe you saw um, a little animal water skiing or something like that. Like you go, what am I going to do with that? Oh, I'm going to show other people that I've seen this. Great places to travel. I don't know why, but most people that travel love to start with a photo of the aeroplane wing. I don't know why, but a lot like to do this. Um, our favourite movies. We like to show people what our favourite movie is and so sometimes we might share something from a movie. Um, I've seen a lot of people that like to share wedding fails. Don't know why. They just like to do those sort of things. And very much at the moment, which is very um, popular in America, is other people's business, especially in the case of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. A court, a defamation court case that everybody was sharing their opinion and sharing stuff from all over social media. Everybody knows how to share. Most people, sorry. I don't know if my dad would know how to do that on, online, but most people know how to share something online, but I'll tell you what, he does know how to do that. He knows how to share in person. And our mission for you and I is to share Jesus. We have the good news. The only question that remaining is where do I need to share it? Where am I meant to share it? And Jesus made this very clear to his disciples in Acts 1. He says, and you'll be my witnesses, telling, me, telling people about me everywhere, 
in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, where were the disciples when Jesus said that? They were in Jerusalem. And so first of all, he's saying, where do I share the good news? First of all, I share it in my world, Jerusalem. As Je- look, in Luke chapter 8, there's an interesting story here. It says, as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. It's fair to say this guy is not functioning well. He's spiritually oppressed and potentially possessed. Um, And Jesus does this amazing thing. He heals this man. It's a miracle. You know, it's amazing. Like this guy who had been obviously bound up by some pretty heavy demonic stuff, all of a sudden is set free from that and he's functioning normal. How good is that? I mean, that is good news. Now, this guy has what I would call a real God experience. And what does Jesus tell him to do in response? The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, that is Jesus, but Jesus sent him home, saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Jesus told the man to go home. He wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus is like, no, it's, I actually need you to go and tell people the good news that's happened to you. And here's the point of this story. Evangelism starts at home. It actually starts at home, literally at my home. First of all, my family need to know what I believe. It starts, it starts in my world because they're the people I can relate to. My world, it's my home, it's in my street, um, it's my friends' homes, my workplace, my school, my community. All the places that make up my world is where Jesus says, go there first, where you automatically, where you naturally have this connection. Secondly, Jesus says, go beyond. He says, go to Judea and Samaria. In other words, go beyond my world. Now, I was trying to think of something that would relate to this Judea and Samaria, and this is the best thing I could come up with at short notice, and that is, you know, both power supporters and crow supporters live in Adelaide. In fact, they're actually, their bases are really close still at the moment. You think West Lakes to Port Adelaide, there's not a lot of distance between the two. And yet, they are so different. It's like they're from different worlds. I want to show you a photo. So on the left... We have some power supporters. And on the right, we obviously have some crow supporters. Okay, so, so but there is, they live very close to each other, but they're a bit different. So, you know, power supporters like to raise their kids to be rough and tough. And crows fans raise their kids to get an education. I mean, that's just how it is. You know, crows, crows fans wear suits um, to games. Um, Power fans wear suits to their court proceedings. But anyway, the point is this. They, the point is this. Crows and power fans despise each other. Is that true? They really don't like each other. Do you know what? It was the same 
with Jerusalem and Samaria. They despised each other. They couldn't, you know what, they weren't far apart. You can have a look on the map. You've got to the north, you've got Samaria. To the south, you've got Judea. But they're actually very, very close to Jerusalem. And yet they were, they could not stand each other. Um, you know, the, the Jews um, saw the Samaritans as this half-breed um, because they were intermarrying with the Assyrians. And then the Samaritans, they didn't believe that the temple was the right place um, to be worshipping in Jerusalem. And so they wanted different places to worship and they just hated each other. They couldn't stand each other. So when the Bible says go into Judea and Samaria, it means go to places where you wouldn't normally want to go. Go to places that aren't really part of your group. It means get out of your comfort zone, Josh. Don't just go to the people that you naturally feel comfortable with. Reach out to people from different backgrounds and cultures, different education levels, different languages, different socioeconomic status, different traditions, different values. And that's not an easy thing to do. That can be really, really hard. But I I want you to consider this. If I found that the cure for cancer was eating 100 black jelly beans for seven days straight and that would get rid of your cancer, would I keep that information to myself? Or would I want people everywhere to know that that is the cure, that is the way to deal with this? Now, I've had enough people that I know die from cancer and I've seen how they suffer to know that it's something that I wouldn't feel comfortable with. I would want to share that information with anyone willing to listen. How much more important is it that I share my faith with people? Where the impact and the consequences are far more severe and for all eternity. 1 Corinthians 9 says, When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Which means, Josh, you need to at times go outside your world. You can't just live in your bubble where you feel comfortable. Have a go. We have to take steps to actively share our faith. James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. You know, people say think outside the box, and I think that's particularly true for us here at Port Life at Christmas time. You know, we produce these boxes of goodies, as Sally talked about earlier, and they're for families both in and out of our world. Now, the box inside the box, I guess, is just yummy food, right? It's just food. But we need to think outside the box. What do these baskets do? I think the baskets tell the world, they tell people that the church cares. We want to be a blessing. We want to reach these families. It says, yes, I find, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Common ground. People love gifts, especially delicious food. That is finding common ground. People also love it when people care. People want to feel loved. There's some common ground. People want to feel connected to others. There's common ground. No matter what your background, where you're from, 
your wealth status, your education status, it doesn't matter. All people want to feel loved, cared for and connected. And that's what the baskets do. They find common ground. And you never know. It may lead to discussions one day. It may not, but it may lead to discussions with them about God and why we go to church here and why we do what we do. But if nothing else, they feel loved. They feel cared for. They feel connected. And finally, where do I share this good news? Jesus said to the ends, we we share it to the ends of the earth. In other words, in all the world. First share in your world, then beyond your world, and finally in all the world. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, who did Jesus say this to? Was it just to pastors? No. Was it to missionaries? No. It was to the disciples who were just ordinary people following Jesus. In Matthew 4.18, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, two fishermen, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. It's pretty much his first words, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. If you're a follower of Jesus, you fish. If you're not fishing, you're not following. If, you're not, if you are following, you fish because everyone needs to hear the good news. Now, I know that we in this church can't go everywhere. Of course you can't. That's not really what the Scripture is trying to say. So we as a church have chosen um, to go to Myanmar. That's that little bit of go everywhere. We've gone to Myanmar, the city of Mandalay, 7,760 kilometres away. We built a home. We gave nine children that were in terrible situations a safe Christian home with a mum and dad. We made sure that they were well looked after, protected and well educated. We've given them Christian parents and, they've, and they have instilled in those kids Christian values. Now they follow Jesus. I've seen it myself. I've been there many times. And these kids are growing up to follow Jesus. Many will be leaders. I have no doubt of that. And someday, some of them are going to return to their villages. They're going to return to their villages, educated, leaders and Christ followers. So they will take Jesus there with them. We've built a second home there, a second building. And it's used as the Bible college at the moment and the church. And hundreds of of people are worshipping there every week. It's got so big that they've now had to go on to a second location. So there are two buildings being used on a Sunday morning. Such is the number coming through. And we are equipping them to be able to share that good news with thousands upon thousands of people on the other side of the world that otherwise would never have any idea who Jesus Christ is. What they're doing is dangerous. Uh, It's illegal in Myanmar, to share the good news about Jesus, you're not allowed to do that. You are not allowed to tell people how good God has been to you. Isn't that incredible? You're not allowed to do that. And yet they do it anyway. Mark 8.35 says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. I think that's so true of them. But why do I have to share it? Like, why can't, like, you know... I know God's done all this stuff for me, but why do I have to do that? You know, why doesn't God just take us to heaven the moment we become a Christian? 
Like, why, wouldn't it be good if you just became a Christian and then he just zaps you up and you're in heaven and you don't have any more issues, no more pain, no more suffering, no more problem people around you, no more misery? Why doesn't God do that, you know? Great, you've joined the family. Come up, it's much nicer here. Well, there are two things that we can't do in heaven. Number one, we can't sin. And number two, we can't tell other people the good news. Why do you reckon God's keeping us here? If someone hadn't shared the good news with me, I'd be stuffed. And I'd say the same for you. The only reason that you are here, the reason that you are, if you have accepted Jesus, that you feel secure for your future, that you have hope, that you have joy, is because at some point, somebody did something that enabled you to accept Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people, oh, sorry, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I don't know if you've ever thought about this for yourself, but when you go to heaven, I wonder if anyone's going to say thank you. Thank you for telling me the good news. You know, we were made for a mission. And that mission is really simple. It's share with others the good news. Share it everywhere. Share it in your world. Share it beyond your world. Share it in all the world. When do we finish that mission? It's pretty easy. It's when you die. When you die, that that mission is gone. If you're still alive, you're still on mission. And so the challenge today is you know the mission sharing your faith with other people. The question is, how you respond? There are really four ways we can respond. We can respond like Jonah, where we go, uh, not me, God. I'm not doing that. We can respond like Moses, who is the whole, who me? I, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I'm capable. Or the Habakkuk, who says, why me? Or we can respond like Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. You know, when it comes to our mission, may we all have the heart of the Apostle Paul. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, we just thank you for your good news. We thank you that we have good news. We thank you that you made sure that someone would come into our life to share that good news with us, that good news that you came to earth, that you lived a sinless life, were able to then die on a cross and pay the penalty for our sin so that we could have a relationship with you and spend eternity with you forever in heaven. This morning, Lord, I just pray that none of us here 
that have done that take that for granted. Lord, may we all have this sense of urgency that we need to be connecting with people in our world, beyond our world and in all the world. May we see it as our responsibility that what, has been, what we have received, may we also give out to others. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be able to share the Gospel in a clear way. Help us to be able to connect with people in a genuine, loving, caring way. Help us to know what words to say and when. Help us to know what things to do and when and how. Lord, may we just, maybe we be a bit like you, Lord, in the way that we approach people. Lord, I just pray also that you give us opportunities. Lord, that those right opportunities will come along in the weeks ahead, especially over Christmas time. Whenever an opportunity comes along for us, Lord, I just pray that we would have the boldness to take it in the hope that maybe one more person would accept your good news. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.